Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week, and I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now and tell them the tax lady sent you. 855-715-5721. That's 855-715-5721. What is going on? It's Rick Tittle. How's it going? Two for Tuesday, double shots of Judas Priest and Van Halen and all that good stuff. Uh, what's that? Oh, we'll talk sports today. How about football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, rollerball, chess checkers, rugby, cricket. That's right. If it's sports, then I'm interested in your call. And I should say sailing as well because it is a Tuesday in the first hour. We're always joined by... Aaron Lyle from SerralSportTalk.com. It'll be at 9.40 Pacific time. Just my other guest in the first hour. In fact, coming up after this quick break, longtime Niners beat writer Matt Barrows of The Athletic has a brand new book about the Niners out. We'll talk about that. And then Chris Vola has a book about the Illuminati. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We're going to have him. We're also going to have Willie Jefferson talking about next-gen consoles coming up. At uh, 1040, 1040, good buddy. And uh, we'll also have author Brian Vikander, Steve Dalkowski, uh, about Steve Dalkowski, I should say. Dalko, hard throwing but wild pitcher. That'll be at 1110. So, in other words, I've got three authors today, author, King of the Britons. But uh, the most important thing is really your call, because this is why we're all here, right? That's right. Your calls at 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Get in and get heard. Girl, don't act like I did when I didn't. All right, whatever. Uh, also, uh, tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app. That's app for this and apt. You also can catch you, catch us, catch your show on CRN Digital Plus 2, cable radio network channel 2. Streaming through sportsbyline.com as well. If you have an email, you can send us to Rick sportsbyline.com. So it's three hours of sports talk, and we got some authors coming in as well. So get on in and get heard. We got three hours. Come on back. At Shell, we know from the time you get up, 
to the time you wrap up, there's a lot of meetups, eatups, and hurryups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the Fuel Rewards program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. And engines that continuously use Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. And see full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Even if you've tried before and were unsuccessful in getting rid of your timeshare, call today and see if we can help. We offer a complete 100% unconditional client satisfaction guarantee. Make this completely free call and learn how we can help you legally put an end to your timeshare nightmare once and for all. You have nothing to lose, so call right now to qualify and receive a free consultation. 800-880-7167. 800-880-7167. That's 800-880-7167. Paid for by Airtime Media. I'm going to tell you how you can get real health care for as little as $6 a day. Yes, now you can get affordable health care for you and your family immediately and save as much as 50% off your current monthly health care payments. Our plans are perfect for people that are self-employed, can't afford health benefits where they work, or just want to pay less for their current health care. And coverage is guaranteed regardless of your medical condition. We even offer some of the new Christian faith-based health benefits. Save up to 50% on your family's health care. Make a free quick call now. There are no contracts and we give you a 10-day money-back trial period. Call Provision Enrollment right now for your risk-free guaranteed health insurance quote starting at $6 a day. 800-472-5145. 800-472-5145. That's 800-472-5145. Fever is a leading symptom of the coronavirus, so take your temperature twice a day with the Exergen Temporal Scanner. It's quick and easy to use, and its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies. Have your family start and end their day with the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Your family can take their temperatures in seconds to know where they stand in the fight against COVID-19. Protect your family from the spread of this deadly disease and stay safe with Exergen. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he's so handsome. He's a genius. Hey, hey, what is going on? Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, around the world, all that good stuff. Uh, when we get Matt Barrows on, we'll throw him on the old show here. But uh, lines are available, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. We do have uh, Major League Baseball uh, World Series Game 6, which could end tonight. 
And um, a lot of people are hoping that uh, the Rays turn it around, not just because they hate the Dodgers or they like the Rays. And not a lot of people really like the Rays. I think a lot of us admire what they've been able to do. Um, but the other thing is we just like to get a Game 7. <clears throat> just to say Game 7 fills us with um, pictures of whimsy and all sorts of frivolity and, and mirth. The Dodgers are one win away from the first championship in 32 years, and they've spent a lot of money over the years on players, and they have not been able to get her done. And for Tampa Bay, that Game 5 loss, of course, means they're in survival mode. They've had their backs up against the wall before, and they came out ahead. They needed the full five games to beat the New York Yankees in the ALDS. They needed the full seven games to beat the Houston Astros in the ALCS. But obviously the Dodgers are the most daunting opponent that they've played in the postseason. <clears throat> Kevin Kiermeyer, the fine Rays center fielder, said, always confident in this bunch. If there's any team that can respond with their backs against the wall, our group is the group that has come through what when we need it the most, going to enjoy the off day, get our feet a little bit and come back Tuesday ready to work. Kevin Kiermaier, by the way, <clears throat> interesting. He was um, publicly upset that he was not in the final three for gold gloves, which he's won before. But anyway, you don't have to look back very far to see the last team that has erased a 3-2 deficit in the World Series. You just look back to last year because the Nationals dropped Game 5 in Washington. Do you remember that? They had to go to Houston and win two in a row on the road, which they did. Of course, remember, no home team won a game that year. It was all seven road victories, and they got their first championship in team history. So the Rays are trying to do the same thing, uh, doing it at a neutral site, which is not as daunting. But beating the Dodgers two games in a row, of course it's doable, but it's just not super easy. I think the main thing for them and this is a little bit trite, but don't get in a hole. You know, the Dodgers scored first in every game but game two. And they put multiple runs on the board before the Rays even scored a first run in all four of those games. One, three, four, and five. And they got runs in the top of the first <clears throat> in those games where they were the road team. 3-4-5, and the Rays did come back to win game four, but it was nearly miraculous. You remember the uh, bobble in center field by Taylor, the swipe tag by Smith, and the ball gets away. Randy Rosarena falls down, but is still able to skid up and touch home plate about eight times. <laughs> So Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, was asked about those first inning problems, and he said, it is a problem. There's no denying it's a problem, and we need to correct that, and we don't have much time to correct, so we need it to be fixed for game six for sure. Home away, it doesn't matter. Prevent runs. I don't care how we do it. We've got to do a better job at it. End quote. Well, <clears throat> if you're into percentages, and the team that score first, scores first wins 70% of the time, <clears throat> which I guess sounds about right. I mean, beyond the obvious advantage of having a run on the board before the team can even bat, there's also the confidence crusher 
Now, if the Rays get on the board early in game six, they're probably feeling great. Fall behind, though, maybe it creeps into your head. But the good news for them is they have Snell on the bump. And the Rays have played 19 postseason games this year, and only twice in those 19 games did the starter complete six innings. Tyler Glasnow did it in game two of the wild card against Toronto, where they were a wild card team. And then Glasnow did it again in game four. Both went exactly six innings, but of course, Glasnow's ERA was sky high. Like the Jeff Samarja thing. Oh, I'll eat innings, but I'll have a six and a half ERA. So, <clears throat> in only eight other games, did their starters even get five? So these short starts, I mean, they're they're partly by design. The Rays just don't like their pitchers going through a lineup the third time outside of maybe Snell. But if you have that philosophy, you're going to tax the heck out of your bullpen. And that's why that off day yesterday really helped. They're going to help both teams. But if you think about Nick Anderson, who was the club's ace reliever during the regular season but has been terrible in the playoffs, he, in his last six appearances, 14 and a third, eight runs he is allowed. But Cash still trusts him implicitly, I think probably because not only is he the you know, go with who you took to the dance, quote unquote, the horse that brought you, but I don't think he has a better option. But the effectiveness in him, or ineffectiveness, I should say, that pushes others into these high-stress roles, or they're called now high-leverage. So obviously the best case is get a lead early and have Blake Snell just buzz through, get seven innings, and then you know let a guy like Josh Fleming or something eat up the rest of the time. But they have to do whatever it takes, of course, and their pitcher in the bullpen is a guy named Holstaff. So the deeper Snell goes tonight, the better they're going to be if they can get to Game 7. And <clears throat> we know that Charlie Morton is waiting in the wings, which is not like Sandy Koufax or Walter Johnson, but it's still, I mean, you see that guy in your rearview mirror, and it's like, can we hit the gas and get away from him? And so, <clears throat> once again, Tony Gonsolin will have a chance to win Game win the World Series for the Dodgers. But the thing is, I don't know how long Tony Gonsolin's going to get. Tony Gonsolin only faced six batters in game two, which was the um, shortest stint for a World Series starter, a healthy one, since World War II. <laughs> because 1943 was the last one, and that's when we were only playing with half staffs anyway, because everybody who was able body was fighting. So um, Gonsolin will probably get one chance through the lineup. And then after that, probably Dustin May. And then Julio Urias will probably be available. The point is Dave Roberts will mix and match in a bullpen game. Think about that. Team with one of the highest payrolls, the best team in baseball basically, is going to have a bullpen game in game six of the ERA of the World Series. I was going to say, the ERA for the bullpen during the regular season was a 2.74, And you saw Blake trying and get the save in Game 5 after Jansen blew Game 4. And, of course, he didn't get a lot of help from his defense. And then, you know, get a little lucky. You know? And <clears throat> uh, a line drive right at somebody is not as good as a, a 
Texas leaguer that, that drops. And they could use some good old-fashioned baseball luck right now. That's what they need. But um, I'm rooting for the Rays, um, <clears throat> but I'm also rooting for Tony Gonsolin. So I hope he doesn't give up a run and the Dodgers still lose. How about that? All right, Matt Barrows was a no-show, so I don't know if he's going to get rescheduled or what, but we got some more guests coming up. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a quick break, and we will come on back on Sports Bible. If you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 800-593-7491. That's 800-593-7491. When you call, you'll speak with a Social Security disability expert and get a free evaluation to see if you may qualify for disability insurance benefits from the U.S. government. That's right, a monthly cash payment paid directly to you from the Social Security Administration. Whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied disability benefits, call now. The disability attorneys at Pinnacle Disability can help you build your case, file an appeal, and represent you at no upfront cost to you. Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Are you 60-plus and love to travel? Introducing the Senior Travel Discount Network, brought to you by Low-Cost Airlines. Call us anytime, day or night, and save up to 75% on your airline and hotel reservations. We can help you save a ton of money to fly almost anywhere. We have inside discounts on over 500 airlines and 500,000 hotels worldwide. And when you call and mention the discount code 60PLUS, we'll give you an extra free night with your qualified air and hotel reservation. Now you can get the best prices on air and hotel reservations with your phone. We make it easy and fast for you to save money and book a trip. Remember, call the Senior Travel Discount Network. Mention the discount code 60 plus for your free hotel night with your qualified reservation. Call now. 800-493-6118. 800-493-6118. 800-493-6118. That's 800-493-6118. 
Oh, come now, don't be ashamed. <laughs> we all have our idiosyncrasies. Try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you. On you, girl. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Um, so far, we're 0 for 2 on our authors right here. <laughs> As we were supposed to, uh, we were supposed to have, uh, well, anyway, if he calls in, we'll call in. Uh, we'll go to him. 1-800-878-PLAY. <clears throat> um, you know, I mentioned the other day, David Price, what he, he might be thinking. And, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we do have our guest. It is author Chris Vola. He has a new book that is out today. And uh, it is called I is for Illuminati. And um, a guy, an A to Z guide to our paranoid times. Chris, welcome to the show. It's an interesting um, concept to a book. What was the genesis behind uh behind this type of thing i guess i guess it's that the times are right for it huh yeah for sure um thanks for having me on rick uh by the way really appreciate it um yeah i mean so the book um it's basically like the form of a classic abc book where you know each letter of the alphabet is focused on one conspiracy you know everything from you know, UFOs and like lizard people to the flat earth and the pyramids. Um, and, you know, each one is fully illustrated and I kind of go into, um, you know, a sort of an in-depth, but also like a lighthearted explanation of each conspiracy. Um, and I kind of look at it like conspiracy 101, where I'm sort of providing, you know, the basics of this particular subject in, you know, an easy to digest way for people who, you know, might be interested in the subject because, as you say, you know, it is it is something that is extremely, you know, that has become mainstream um, in the last few years, definitely, um, for people who might be interested in some of these topics, but, you know, might, might not know where to start researching um, or, you know, people who might know a lot about one topic but want to see kind of what else is out there. Um, and for me, you know, I've just always been interested uh, in this sort of thing, you know, since I was Know, very young since I you know was watching X Files or whatever, um, age seven to eight, and you know it was kind of a way for me to sort of you know get get kind of what I've been doing you know in my spare time researching to just kind of get it out there and uh, you know kind of show people you know what is out there um, in this particular subject. Yeah, each letter represents something. A for alien starts it off, but uh, D for the Denver airport. That is yeah. one. <laughs> How did that start? Because there are all these things about it. That's the Illuminati headquarters and neo-Nazis build bunkers underneath. And what the hell's going on there? Yeah, and that, that was actually an interesting one. Um, you know, trying to find something for each letter of the alphabet. I, I did not know anything about Denver Airport. Um, I've been there a couple times. I have a cousin in Denver. And 
and he's gone. We'll try and get him back. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY. While we try to get Chris back on the line, just looking at some of these things. A is for aliens, B is for Bermuda Triangle, C is for chemtrails. <laughs> the chemtrail conspiracy theory is that, um, you know, when you have a plane that's flying over and apparently that's biological agents that are being sprayed on the public. And uh, what that is, is just that when there's moisture in the air, depending on the uh, humidity, uh, barometric pressure of that moisture in your air, when a jet engine flies through it, it can leave basically just with equivalents to steam. A lot of people think those chemtrails are basically spraying myelothion on all of us. Uh, Chris, we have you back? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not sure what happened there, but... Uh... Okay, I'm so back. anyway, the, the the Denver airport, you have a cousin there, and... Okay, so... Oh, you didn't hear any of that. Oh, wow, okay. No. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, um, it, it basically, it was built in 1995. Uh, it was 16 months late at $4.8 billion, which, I mean, it's the most expensive airport I believe ever built. Um, $2 billion over budget. It's twice the size of Manhattan. Um, which, you know, you, you don't really think of Denver as this sort of like international hub, I guess. Um, you know, there's, there's art, weird art sculptures in there. There's, there's runways that are shaped like swastikas, um, you know, murals of these like Egyptian death gods. I mean, all sorts of weird stuff. There's a 32 foot tall uh, Mustang statue out front that has these like glowing red eyes um, that actually... Uh, fell on the person who carved it and, and killed him. Um, and so, you know, something's definitely going on there. There's a there's a capstone that's in the airport that, to commemorate its dedication, that has, like, all these, like, Masonic symbols in it, um, as well as, you know, the airport's benefactors, which, something, which includes something called the New World Airport Commission, which, as far as anyone can tell, doesn't really actually exist. Um, and, you know, maybe a reference to the New World Order, you know, which is this cabal linked to, you know, Freemasonry or the Illuminati. You know, the, the idea that there's these people who are secretly plotting to replace all sovereign nations with um, an authoritarian world government. Um, and I guess one of the ways that they hope to accomplish this is by orchestrating like, a series of worldwide catastrophes. Um, and so underneath the airport, uh, there's allegedly, according to construction workers, there's this giant system of bunkers that people have speculated might be, you know, technically advanced fallout shelters for the global elite from then, you know, where they can operate this shadow government. Um, there's other rumors that it's an underground network of cities populated by aliens uh, to even like FEMA concentration camps for, you know, the non the non one percenters or the non deep state people who survive, you know, whatever apocalypse that they're, that they're planning. So yeah, a lot of weird stuff going on in Denver. <clears throat> um, the one that I think is that I think a lot of us have seen before is the M is for moon landing. And we've seen these shows with people who swear, look, I invented the camera. There's no way they could have taken those pictures. Why is the flag waving? Why are there no burn marks on the ground? As you studied this more, did you start your, yourself to start to uh, doubt the moon landing? What, what did you think of well, this? So 
I think, you know, I think the moon landing, first and foremost, I think it definitely happened. I think that every piece of sort of, you know, quote unquote evidence that theorists have presented, you know, that astronauts couldn't survive traveling through the belts of radiation surrounding the earth, you know, yeah, the shadows and the photographs, the flag. I think they've all been pretty well uh, debunked. I mean, you had moon rocks that were sent to 135 countries after the Apollo, the first Apollo mission came back, who basically all analyzed them and all agreed, you know, they came from the moon, even the Soviets, who you would think, you know, would be the first to dismiss any American success. You know, they never questioned it at all. So, I mean, unless basically the 400,000 people who were involved in the Apollo missions and 135 countries were in on it, you know, I, I think it definitely happened. What I think is more interesting to me is what they might have found when they went to the moon and why we haven't been back since 1972. Um, according to some uh, NASA employees, this guy Otto Binder, um, there are a lot of communications between Apollo 11 astronauts like Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong that were censored that would have been heard by, you know, a much smaller group of people at Mission Control that they would have been able to cover up, you know, much easier. And I think the main one is that after landing on the moon that – you know, apparently Neil Armstrong actually described a fleet of uh, parked alien spacecraft that were sort of in the distance, uh, you know, kind of like watching them, observing them, um, described it as being like really creepy. Um, there's other whistleblowers, uh, former NASA employees who say that, you know, crew members of the Apollo missions found evidence of more craft, uh, that there's even like a space station on the far side of the moon. Um, that the beings up there were like super hostile, which, you know, to me, those are all reasons to that why we haven't been there, you know, because I think that's a big question, too, is, you know, why haven't we been back? And people say, you know, it's funding, it's this, it's that. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely a pretty interesting uh, subject. <clears throat> That's Chris Vola. I could talk to you all day about this stuff. I know you got to run. Chris Vola has written, I is for Illuminati. Illuminati, an A to Z guide to our paranoid times, and it is out today. Chris, congratulations on the book, and let's catch up on your next one. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great, great to be on here, Rick. Thanks for having me. All right, no doubt about it. And um, you know, I'm looking through here. Some of this stuff, L is for lizard people. Are there supposed to be lizard people? N is for Nazis in South America. Well, there were some of those. You know that for a fact. Adolf Eichmann. <clears throat> Uh, v is for vaccinations. Could you imagine you know, these religions, which are quote-unquote Christian religions, where you, know, you hold a snake over your head, and if the snake bites you, God you know, didn't forgive you, and if it doesn't, then God did. I mean, you could have had that one in there. Uh, but people who think vaccinations, well, that's so, uh, you know, I'll let the sun or God heal me. But the one I had to look up, H is for H-A-A-R-P. High Frequency Active Oral Research Program from the Navy and the Air Force. I don't even know what that is, but apparently it is a conspiracy. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Let's get out on the bay with a little sailing on the other side. Come on back.
This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, and I've been chatting with Sir Robin Knox Johnson, whom you know is the first sailor to single hand around the world and the founder of the Clipper Around the World race, and his good friend, Sir John Henry McAnally, retired Vice Admiral of the Royal Navy. They each have a drink in hand, and this photo came up of the two of them back in 1965 when they were young officers in training and having a bit of fun in Paris. Go to salesporttalk.com for the photo and listen in to the story. Robin will recognize this vehicle <laughs> because he wrote it too. It's a, it's a 1938 Dennis fire engine. Uh, and in the fourth year of their Royal Naval Officers training, we were split into groups of about 14. Uh, and each group did, in turn, a specialist course at one of the training establishments in the uh, mostly around Portsmouth, not only around Portsmouth, and uh, naval air stations and so on. Uh, and we had as our course conveyance this 1938 fire engine, which we took to Paris. 60 people watched us park it. <laughs> Here you see us, um, the members of X-18 course, 1965 <laughs> <laughs> with, our, with our fire engine. And Robin can tell you a tale about it too. Well, I can tell you, Karen, that um, we coincided with John's course. Uh, I was a Royal Naval Reserve course, Merchant Navy people, so we were doing a different sort of course. And we coincided with John's course. And we thought their fire engine was marvellous because uh, we could climb on it, go to the local nightclubs, Pom door, I seem to remember, John. You do indeed, yeah. <laughs> and we go there, and about you know about two o'clock in the morning on Sunday, we decide we better go back to Whale Island, the gunnery school, and we climb on this fire engine. About forty young naval officers hanging on to it, and someone very stupidly rang the fire bell, and within seconds we were surrounded by police cars, and they just came up to us and they said, "Young gentlemen." The good citizens of Portsmouth like their sleep. If you ring that fire bell again, we'll take you all in. And you won't be on parade tomorrow, and that'll be bad for your careers, won't it? And, you know, fairly drunk, I suppose. We all said, oh, yes, you know, that's very serious. Yeah, we'll take this seriously. So would you mind going back to Whale Island and not ringing that bell? So we muffled the bell, and we returned to Whale Island. And I still remember that, John. And... Um, uh, I suspect you were hanging on the, the fire engine at the same time as me. I don't remember it at all. Right? Of course you don't. <laughs> no, <it's... laughs> That's a great story. All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's Tuesday in our first hour. We check in with our friend Karen Lyle, the co-host of this segment from salesporttalk.com, who's also in her home in the East Bay, as am I. How are you, Karen? I'm doing great. Do you remember when we were waving at each other over the Atlantic last year about this time? Yes, that's right, kind of, sort of. Yeah, it's hard to remember, but I was in Malta at that time, at this time last year, and I was able to witness the um, the elusive two win for the first time the Rolex Royal, uh, Royal Malta Yacht Club 
middle C race, and I met Christopher Podesta, who has won the race again with his team this year. So now they're defending two years in a row. And let's bring in Christoph Podesta from Elusive 2, who, as she mentioned, run the Rolex Royal Multi Yacht Club Middle Sea Race. Christoph, welcome to the show. And this is really a family affair for the Podestas, isn't it? Hi. Uh, yes, it, um, uh, it really is quite a family affair. We, uh, I co-skipper the boat with my uh, brother Aaron, my sister Maya. Um, we have on board my sister's boyfriend, uh, David, who's our navigator. We've got a couple of cousins sailing with us, and the rest of the team are friends. Christoph, it's so good to, it's so good to talk to you, and I'm, I'm so excited that you won the race again, but most of all, that there even was a race. You know? how, did, how did it work this year differently from last year with the pandemic? Um, hey, Karen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit different this year with with the whole COVID situation. It hasn't been easy for the yacht club to organize uh, such a big event. However, um, uh, it's great that they did, and uh, both the club and Rolex really pushed for for everything to go ahead. They um, they assembled a, a task for a COVID task force to. Uh, to come up with measures to make the, the event um, uh, pandemic-friendly, so to say. And that meant all the social events were, were, all, were all kind of cancelled and uh, everyone got time to focus on, on nothing but the race itself. Um, from our point of view, um, we spent uh, months preparing and that obviously had its complications as well, where... We'd all uh, meet up together and work on the boat while while uh, wearing masks and uh, regularly sanitizing our hands to to make sure none of us picked it picked it up from one another or and caused the problem. You know, I've always been so fascinated with Malta being part of the ancient world, right smack dab in the middle of the Mediterranean. Going back to the the people who have on there and the phoenicians and the carthaginians the greeks romans arabs normans the knights of saint john the french the british the nazis i mean it has a fascinating history to it doesn't it yeah malta's history is extremely rich and i think we've we've pretty much been conquered or wanted to be conquered by by every every ruling empire or force and um uh, each one of these um, uh, mega mega forces and conquerors have definitely left their mark on the island and uh, leaving us a super rich history to enjoy. Well, Christoph, unlike the um, the Royal Thames Yacht Club, the Royal Malta Yacht Club does not have royalty as its president. You are basically independent, but still bear bear the royal the Royal name. And, um, that's a beautiful yacht club. I really enjoyed spending time with you and being on your boat with your family. Please, please give my best wishes to everyone. Of course, I'm just so excited about this. Um, tell me about the, um, the, the start of this race, because I know that leaving that Harbor, it can be kind of tricky with the winds coming from all these directions, but you guys have done it so many times. What was it like this year? Well, yeah, it's funny. We, we've done the race so many times, but every year is different. 
Um, uh, for I think the first time since the start of the race was moved to the Grand Harbour, we had a, a decently strong northwesterly wind. Um, uh, but despite um, in the Grand Harbour, the northwesterly wind um, uh, has quite a large shadow from Valletta. So getting off the start line was actually quite tricky. But as we as we made our way towards the breakwater, the wind started to fill in, and that's when we really started to pick up speed. Um, yeah, it was quite a beautiful start. We we played it safe, and we we kept sailing around the start line, uh, obviously very carefully, looking at the at our stopwatch to make sure the boat was constantly at maximum speed. So we can we can hit the line with maximum speed, knowing that we had a big lull in front of us. Um, being being a relatively heavy boat, we we knew we could carry our speed halfway out of the harbour till we caught the stronger winds, um, and then we sailed on to the Rolex mark just outside the harbour. Very cool. A couple more questions for Christoph Podesta. You know, I was just wondering, Christoph, how much is Maltese? Still spoken? Are there Maltese signs? Are children taught the language in school? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think um, uh, probably ninety to ninety-five percent of the Maltese population use Maltese as their first language. So uh, all interactions between people is all in Maltese. Um, obviously, Maltese is spoken in, in, and taught in schools. Um, but having said all this, Malta is a bilingual country, so we are officially we officially have both English and Maltese as our languages. But by far, Maltese is the most prominent la prominent language on the islands. Christoph, last year when I was there, there were I think about forty boats from forty four different countries represented with the boats and the crews um, in the race. How many? How many countries or how many boats were there this time with, with the restrictions that were in place? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know exactly how many countries were represented in the race. However, I believe it was about 14. Um, there were a total of 50 participants this year, which was much smaller than previous years where we would normally have about 120 to 150 yachts racing. So the, the pandemic has had definitely had quite an effect on the turnout. However, I think the, the, the 50, 50 attending starting yachts was still a very respectable um, uh, fleet considering the, the global situation. And I think it's also interesting, I'm on the history side of this right now, but when sure, Malta sure. finally got its independence in the 60s and then got into the European Union, what, about 15 years ago, is it, and I remember Bush and Gorbachev had like a face-to-face a, a -face encounter there when the Cold War ended. They went to Malta in like 89. But how much is Queen Elizabeth still part of the Maltese setup? Is that still just kind of, a, you know, just kind of like kind of a wave towards Britain that you still recognize Queen Elizabeth a little bit? Well, I mean, yeah, the, so um, obviously Malta was a British colony up, up until 1964, and that is where we, uh, we got our independence and became our own, our own country. Um, the British forces remained in Malta for at least another 10 to 15 years. Um, having said that, Malta was a British colony for 164 years in total, so we definitely have... Uh, there's a, the British have definitely left their mark. 
Furthermore, the British uh, pretty much uh, kept Malta alive and protected Malta during the Second World War. Um, uh, and, yeah, I think the Maltese definitely have a big respect towards, towards England and, and are big lovers of the, the English monarchy. And Christoph, when I was there and we had the ceremony last year, there were about a thousand people in that beautiful um, hospital. Those I think built in the 1500s. What was the name of that hospital? And and um, I can't remember. Yeah, no. The the prize giving this year was at um, at the Excelsior Hotel, which is on the opposite side of the harbour from the yacht club. Um, uh, comp- yeah, it was a much smaller event with only about 90 people attending all on separate tables um, uh, with, with socially distancing um, uh, rules put into place. So it, it was, it was a, a, a big, big difference and big, big, uh, quite a downscaled event compared to last year's big celebration with,